Welcome to Living Bread Radio Presents, a program designed to teach and evangelize about the Catholic faith through various speakers and presentations given throughout the area. Today's show features Father Nicholas Mancini, a priest of the Diocese of Youngstown, Ohio, and his series entitled Blessed John the 23rd, a biography of the man. And now, Father Nicholas Mancini. Welcome back to our presentation on Blessed John the 23rd. I am Father Nicholas Mancini, and we are talking about Blessed John the 23rd in his opening statement, the beautiful dynamic speech he gave as he convened the Second Vatican Ecumenical Council. He goes on to tell the Council Fathers, Our duty is not to guard this precious treasure, as if we were concerned only with antiquity, but to dedicate ourselves with an earnest will and without fear to that work which our era demands of us, pursuing thus the path which the Church has followed for twenty centuries. The point of this council is not therefore a discussion of one article or another, or of the fundamental doctrine of the Church, which has repeatedly been taught by the Fathers and by ancient and modern theologians, and which is presumed to be well known and familiar to all. For this a council was not necessary. But from the renewed, serene, and tranquil adherence to all the teaching of the Church in its entirety, as it still shines forth in the Acts of the Council of Trent and First Vatican Council, the Christian, Catholic, and Apostolic spirit of the whole world expects a step forward toward a doctrinal presentation and a formation of consciousness in faithful and perfect conformity to the authentic doctrine, which, however, should be studied and expounded through the methods of research and through the literary forms of modern thought. The substance of the ancient doctrine of the deposit of faith is one thing, and the way in which it is presented is another. And it is the latter that must be taken into great consideration with patience, if necessary, everything being measured in the forms and proportions of a magisterium which is predominantly in pastoral character. At the outset of the Second Vatican Council, it is evident, as always, that the truth of the Lord will remain forever. We see, in fact, as one age succeeds another, that the opinions of men follow one another 
and exclude each other. And often errors vanish as quickly as they arise. Like fog before the sun, the church has always opposed these errors. Frequently she has condemned them with the greatest severity. Nowadays, however, the spouse of Christ prefers to make use of the medicine of mercy rather than that of severity. She considers that she meets the needs of the present day by demonstrating the validity of teaching rather than by condemnations. Not certainly that there is a lack of fallacious teaching, opinion, and dangerous concepts to be guarded against and dissipated. But these are so obviously in contrast with the right norm of honesty and have produced such lethal fruits that by now it would seem that men of themselves are inclined to condemn them, particularly those ways of life which despise God and His law or place excessive confidence in technological progress and the well-being based exclusively on the confronts of life. They are ever more deeply convinced of the paramount dignity of the human person and of his perfection as well as of the duties which that implies. Even more important experience has taught men that violence influenced on others the might of arms and political domination are of no help at all in finding a happy solution to the grave problems which affect them. That being so, the Catholic Church, raising the torch of religious truth by means of this ecumenical council, desires to show herself to be the loving mother of all. Benign, patient, full of mercy, and goodness toward the brethren who are separated from her. To mankind oppressed by so many difficulties, the church says, as Peter said to the poor who begged alms from him, I have neither gold nor silver, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. In other words, the church does not offer to the men of today riches that pass, nor does she promise them merely earthly happiness, but she distributes to them the goods of divine grace, which, raising men to the dignity of the sons of God, are the most efficacious safeguards and aids toward all more human life. She opens 
the fountain of her life-giving doctrine, which allows men, enlightened by the light of Christ, to understand well what they really are, what their lofty dignity and their purpose are. And finally, through her children she spreads everywhere the fullness of Christian charity. Then, which nothing is more effective in the seeds of discord, nothing more efficacious in promoting concord, just peace and brotherly unity of all. The unity of the Christian and human family must be promoted. The church's solitude to promote and defend truth derives from the fact that according to the plan of God, who wills all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, men, without the assistance of the whole revealed doctrine, cannot reach a complete and firm unity of minds with which we are associated with true peace and eternal salvation. Unfortunately, the entire Christian family has not yet fully attained this visible unity in truth. The Catholic Church therefore considers it her duty to work actively so that there may be fulfilled the great mystery of that unity which Jesus Christ invoked with fervent prayer from his heavenly Father on the eve of his sacrifice. She rejoices in peace, knowing well that she is intimately associated with that prayer, and then exults greatly at seeing that invocation extended in and with the fruits of every one of those who are outside her fold. Indeed, if one considers well this same unity with Christ implored for his church, it seems to shine, as it were, with a triple ray of spiritual light, namely the unity of Catholics among themselves, which must always be kept exemplary and most firm, the unity of prayer, the unity of those separated from the apostolic see that aspire to be united with us, and the unity and esteem and respect for the Catholic Church which animates those who follow non-Christian religions. In this regard, it is a source of considerable sorrow to see that the greater part of the human race, although all men who are born were redeemed by the blood of Christ, does not yet participate in those sources of divine grace which exist in the Catholic Church. Hence the Church, whose light illumines all, whose strength of supernatural unity rebounds to the advantage of all humanity, is rightly described in these beautiful words 
of St. Cyprian. The church, surrounded by divine light, spreads her rays over the entire earth. This light, however, is one and unique and shines everywhere without causing any separation in the unity of body. She extends her branches over the whole world. By her fruitfulness, she sends her fatherly advice. Nevertheless, the head is always one, the origin one, for she is the one mother, abundantly fruitful. We are born of her, are nourished by her milk. We live for her spirit. Venerable brothers, such is the aim of the Second Vatican Ecumenical Council, which, while bringing together the Church's best energies and striving to have men welcome more favorably the good things of salvation, prepares us, as it were, and consolidates the path toward that unity of mankind which is required as a necessary foundation in order that the earthly city might be brought to the resemblance of that of the heavenly city where truth reigns, charity is law, and whose extent is eternity. When we come back, the conclusion of the opening speech of Blessed John the 23rd as he convened the Second Ecumenical Council. Back in a moment. We'll return to Living Bread Radio Presents after a short break. This is Monsignor John Kozar, National Director of the Pontifical Mission Societies in the United States. Embracing the World in Prayer. That's at the heart of the World Mission Rosary developed by Archbishop Fulton Sheen. The rosary's different colored beads for each decade call to mind every part of the globe where the church continues to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Peace will come only when the hearts of the world have changed, Archbishop Sheen said. To do this, we must pray for the world. Naturally, we pray for our own needs and for those we love. As missionaries, we pray also that all come to know and experience the love of Jesus. It's a lesson from the missions. Brought to you by the Pontifical Mission Societies. To learn more about becoming a missionary right where you are, visit our website at onefamilyandmission.org. Remember, if you're baptized, you're a missionary. Through prayer and sacrifice, in word and witness, we're all part of this one family and mission. And now the conclusion of today's production of Living Bread Radio presents. And we're back as we are examining the opening speech of Blessed John the 23rd. As we continue, he writes, Now our voice is directed to you, venerable brothers, in the Episcopate. Behold, we are gathered together in this Vatican Basilica, upon which hinges the history of the Church, 
where heaven and earth are closely joined, here near the tomb of Peter, and near so many of the tombs of our holy predecessors, whose ashes in this solemn hour seem to thrill in majestic exultation. The council now beginning rises in the church like daybreak, a forerunner of the most splendid light. It is now only dawn, and already at this first announcement of the rising day, how much sweetness fills our heart. Everything here breathes sanctity and arouses the great joy. Let us contemplate the stars, which with their brightness and their majesty fill this temple. These stars, according to the testimony of the Apostle John, are you. And with you we see shining around the tomb of the Prince of the Apostles, the golden candelabra. That is, the church is confined to you. We see here with you important personalities present in an attitude of great respect and cordial expectation, having come together in Rome for the five from the five continents to respect the nations of the world. We might say that heaven and earth are united in holding of the council the saints of heaven to protect our work. The faithful of the earth continuing in prayer to the Lord and you seconding the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in order that the work of all may correspond to the modern expiations and the needs of various peoples of the world. This requires of you serenity of mind, brotherly concord, moderation in proposals, dignity in discussion, and wisdom of deliberation. God grant that your labors and your work toward which the eyes of all people and the hopes of the entire world are turned, may abundantly fulfill aspirations of all. Almighty God, in Thee we place all our confidence, not trusting in our own strength. Look down upon these pastors of Thy church, May the light of thy supernatural grace aid us in taking decisions and in making laws. Graciously hear the prayers which we pour forth to thee in animities of faith, of voice, and of mind. O Mary, help of Christians, help of bishops, of whose love we have recently had particular proof in the temple of Loreto, where we have venerated the mystery of the Incarnation, dispose all things 
for a happy outcome. And with thy spouse, St. Joseph, the holy apostles, Peter and Paul, St. John the Baptist and St. John the Evangelist, intercede for us to God, to Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our immortal King of people and of times, be love, power, and glory forever and ever. As he concluded his opening address to the bishops of the Second Vatican Ecumenical Council, we see this dramatic speech setting the stage for what later will be implemented in the church. John the Twenty-Third's insights in this opening speech give us the truth, the truth of the true meaning of Vatican Council II. This opening speech is held as one of the greatest speech in church history. As Pope John the Twenty-Third echoes the voice of the Holy Spirit, both of East and West, to show the dramatic unity of brothers as the bishops come together to bring about the unity and the love of which John the Twenty-Third calls for in this opening address. He says, Mother Church rejoices. The Church rejoices at this moment of this gift of divine providence. What a great inspiration this is. It's almost like his writings of a journal of a soul is leaping out at the people of God, filling us with that great enthusiasm and love that he so much desired for this council, a council to bring the church into the modern world in the grace and in the format of this opening address, that the documents would flow from this address, as we will examine later, that they will be implemented properly and according to what he describes in this opening speech as being the light of inspiration, the light of the Spirit, of how we shall hold the Good Shepherd in the source of our being, in the entire oneness of our heart. This is what Pope John the Twenty-Third wanted for this council. It's what he wanted for the people of God in the universal church. He wanted to demonstrate the kingdom of God for all of us. He wanted this opening speech to be a reality in every parish around the world, that we would live it and be part of it and express it, not only in our heart and in our lips, but that we would truly understand why he wanted this counsel. Here, in this opening address, 
he describes that sentiment very clearly. Yes, John the 23rd has given us here in this opening address to the Council Fathers the beauty of Catholicism, the beauty of faith, the beauty by which Jesus Christ in his ministry wanted his first bishops to proclaim, by which they laid down their lives for us the beauty of which John the Twenty-Third saw in the reality of continuing the message of the love of this Christ. And this speech remains one of the most brilliant speeches given at the Council. We hope that this speech will enlighten you to go back and reread the documents of Vatican II, which we will examine next time as we continue our research and love and teaching on this Pope, the Pope of Peace, good Pope John the Twenty-Third. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you, and may you grow in the true spirit of faith. We hope that you've enjoyed this production of Living Bread Radio Presents. For a copy of this program on Compact Disc, call 330-966-2903 or send an email to orders at livingbreadradio.com and reference the program broadcast date. This has been a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. Join us again next week at the same time for more Living Bread Radio Presents. Thank you.